0: in a series entitled Life Lessons from Bible People. I think it's a good series because it kind of brings to life the characters of the Old Testament that's what we're studying right now and they're becoming real in our own lives. And we're looking at them as flesh and blood people yet following God the best they can. Sometimes they do things well, sometimes they make mistakes. And we can learn from them, because we're like them too. We're flesh and blood people, following God the best we can. Sometimes we do well, sometimes we make mistakes. That's why I like this series, Life Lessons from Bible People. We begin this series looking at the only man in the world, Adam that time. (laughs) The only man in the world. We're in our third installment where we're going to look at the only righteous man in the world, Noah, and of course separated by Cain and Abel, that famous sibling rivalry. Now, Adam lived in a world with no people. Noah lived in a world with wicked people. And I'm sure both experience a degree of loneliness. And perhaps at times, you share similar feelings. Maybe at work or even among some of your friends, you feel alone in that world. You know, when it comes to spiritual things, they're not where you are. And you're not where they are. And there's that sense of kind of like being on the outside. You know, It happens all the time. It does. Sometimes because of that, our friends even change because of that. So we're going to see how this works today. You want to know and you want to walk with God. That's why you're listening to Christian Radio. But yet there are other people that are very content to live a life void of anything to do with God. Some of my best friends are like that. I love them dearly. And yet... They're content to live a life that has nothing to do with God. It's a heartbreaker. It really is. And You try to get through, and you pray, and you only know, hope when it's all said and done, they they've made that jump. So hopefully today we can find some encouragement if you're in that situation, alone in your own little world. When we think about Noah, we think about the great flood. Noah's story actually involves two great floods. Number one, the world was flooded with water. That's the one we hear about a lot. But number two, the world was flooded with wickedness. And I think that one gets downplayed. It doesn't get as much publicity as the flood with water. So, ten generations after Adam, Noah is born. You know, it didn't take long. The world becomes filled with wickedness. And the number of those who remembered the God of creation, perfection, and love had dwindled down to one. Down to one. And we find ourselves today in Genesis chapter 6. Never fear. The Lord is aware of those who remain faithful and a world of perverseness. Oh, that's a good thing to remember. So we pick it up in verse 3. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. So, God is setting up a timeline of 120 years. And then he will deal with mankind. So he's got this timeline laid out. And at the end of that period, he's going to deal with people. Now, the world was so corrupt that verse, verse 6 tells us, Wow, the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. Now again, this doesn't contradict the omniscience of God. This phrase helps us to understand how God felt about the earth's condition. It's called an anthropopathism, ascribing to God human feelings so we can more identify with where He is. Okay? So, it's a human understanding of God's emotions. God was very grieved at what mankind had done. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. And again, it's Moses, he's writing Genesis through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And God wants us to see or even feel maybe how he felt when he looked down upon the earth. So, apparently, the whole creation had some kind of infection. And I believe it had to be more than the sin of mankind for God to have to wipe out all life on the earth. There's something else going on here. There's a, there are some theories out there, which I kind of hold to the theory of the sons of God coming down into the daughters of men and having children and kind of defiling the human race with angel blood, but I'm not going to get into that today. But one thing's for sure, as dark as life can become, there's always a light that shines. And what was that light? Oh, here it comes in verse 8. But Noah. But Noah means here comes a guy that's different from everybody else. Wow. Just like, again, Adam was alone in the world. Noah was like alone in his own world. But Noah. Oh, he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So I want you to note something. Always look for the shining light in your dark situation because it's there. Noah was God's shining light in the corrupt world. But there's a shining light in your situation and maybe you're it. So in verse 13, God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. So Noah, make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. And you shall make the ark with rooms, and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. And then God gave Noah instructions on how to build the ark. And it would be a floating vessel to preserve his family alive. See, the ark wasn't for people. The ark was for eight people. That's it. It was for Noah and his family, and it wasn't for anybody else. Think about it. No one else could be saved from the flood. No one. Only Noah and his family. That's why I believe humanity was tainted. It had to be destroyed. So God then tells Noah, that is he's going to bring a flood of water on the earth to wipe out the flood of wickedness. And then it happened Genesis chapter 7, verse 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life. I'm like, what? <laughs> Noah is 600 years old, man. Wow. Out away you go. 600 years old. Why did Noah live so long? You're going to find out why pretty soon. So, he's 600 years old, and notice how precise God is. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open, and the floodgates of the sky were opened. So what do we have? We have water coming down from above, and we have water coming up from beneath. And then the rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and it covered the mountains. Hmm. You know, you know what I think? Maybe you'll agree with me as we go on here. I don't think the mountains then were like mountains today. I think they were more like hills. I'll show you why. After 150 days, for seven months, the water began to recede. Now, they also tell us that the, the water rose 15 cubits. Now, 15, a cubit could be 18 inches, 24 inches. People vary. But let's say it's 18 inches, that gives us two and a half feet. But it kept raining, and it covered the mountains. That's why I don't think they were high, high, high mountains. I think they were hills. And then the water began to recede after seven months. And upon further study, I discovered that mountains rose and valleys sank. So, like, okay, when the water began to recede, where would it go? When the earth is covered in water, where does it recede to? It's got to go somewhere. So I discovered that in order for the mountains to rise, I mean the water to recede, mountains had to rise out of the earth and valleys had to sink. And it created low spots and high spots and allowed the waters to flow into the seas, the lakes, the rivers, and you know what else? Fossils of marine life were discovered on top of Mount Everest, confirming the fact that it was once underwater. So so again, I'm not believing the water rose to the height of Mount Everest as it is today. I'm believing Mount Everest was more like Hill Everest. (laughs) And it was covered with water. And when when the water receded, Mountains rose, and valleys sank. But our study today is not about that. It's about life lessons from Bible people. So what can we learn from the life of Noah? Again, he had strengths and accomplishments. Think about it. The only follower of God in his generation. Wow! Talk about being in a minority. I mean, maybe you're the only follower of God at work. Maybe you're the only follower of God in your family or in your circle of friends. He was the only follower of God in the whole world. Wow. He was also the second father of the human race, right? Adam being the first, then everybody died, then we've got Noah again, and of course with his sons and their wives. Noah was the first major ship builder. They didn't build ships until Noah came on the scene. And what really stands out about Noah, he was obedient to a long-term commitment. Think about it. Building an ark for 120 years, that is a serious long-term commitment. And I'm sure it brought many distractions, especially from the naysayers, right? They were not God followers. They never saw rain. The ship, the ark, it looked like something They never saw before. What are you doing, Noah? And you know what else the Bible tells us, and this is very important. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So I believe he was preaching while he was building the ark. Now I want you to tuck that thought away for a minute. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He's preaching while he's building. See, your job can be your pulpit. Now, some people say Noah weakened after he came out of the ark. Remember, he planted a vineyard. And when the grapes grew, he made some wine, and he got drunk. And people ascribe that label to him, saying, even godly people can sin. Now, I agree, of course, even godly people can sin. But there are those that use Noah as a drunk that God used for his glory. I'm like, shame. Shame. Never categorize Noah as a drunk. And I'm going to tell you why. He found favor in the eyes of God, of everybody in the world. He was a preacher of righteousness. He was the only faithful man in a violent world. And he stood alone in obedience for 120 years. He obeyed God in every way. So why the drunkenness? Was he like, oh man, I I can't believe what I just came through. i got to go tie one on. Is that it? No, this is why Noah found himself drunk. Before the flood, the world was a completely different world. The rains up above, they were in a water canopy suspended above the earth. And this gave the earth a tropical climate. And up until this time, people lived a long time, right? Did you ever notice after the flood, lifespans became shorter and shorter and shorter? till so we'll we get to where we are today. But up until the flood, Adam lived over 900 years, Eve lived over 900 years, Noah lived over 600 years, and on, we don't know how long. But the flood created an environment for long life, for things to grow. It was like a greenhouse effect. And by the way, grapes didn't ferment. Making wine was nothing new. People made wine before the flood, but the grapes didn't. For men. When Noah came out of the ark, he stepped into a different world in every way. There were no people. There were new mountains and valleys that were never there before. Oh, the water the water canopy up above was gone. Remember when the flood came, the canopy burst and the water came rushing down, and then other waters came up out of the earth, crashing the planet. Subterranean waters. It reshaped the planet. Noah stepped into a brand new environment. So he came out of the ark. He made wine like he always did. Oh, but this time, it fermented. It became alcoholic. His drunkenness was a surprise to him. And he fell asleep. He didn't expect that. And he fell asleep. Remember, he got so hot, he took his clothes off went in the tent. This is a whole new experience for Noah. So there are some life lessons here for our lives. We look at this story, and maybe in some ways, Noah and his story can be a little bit like your story. Here's what we learn. God is faithful to those who obey him. God is faithful, but He especially to those who obey Him. We learn that obedience is a long term commitment. Hmm. You might wonder how long you have to live righteously after you're saved. Can I just like live righteously for three months and then go back? <laughs> no, the answer is for the rest of your life. It's a long term commitment. You know, to get married, it's a long term commitment. When you give your life to Jesus, it's a long-term commitment, right? There are commitments. They just go on. That's what makes it a commitment because it's long-term. During the 120 years of shipbuilding and preaching, Noah, man, he just kept going. He didn't quit. Just like Jesus. He was a man with a mission. You couldn't get Jesus to quit. Oh, how many things happened to him to get him to quit? His family denied him. His friends forsook him. His own people, the Jewish people, refused to accept him. The religious crowd many times tried to kill him. But he was a man with a mission. See, when you're a man or a woman with a mission, you just keep going. You live for the mission. That defines your life. Do you have a mission that defines your life? I hope so. I hope it's a godly mission that defines your life. So Noah, he was a man with a mission. 120 years, got up every day, went to work. Couldn't discourage him. Now, remember we said Noah was preaching while building the ark? And like I mentioned that, what is your ark? It could be your career. I remember working on a construction crew many years ago. I was on a framing crew building houses, custom homes on Cape Cod. I love that job. Learned a lot. And my foreman, and I wasn't, I was like brand new saved, brand new Christian. I mean, like recently. And I discovered that when we sat together and had lunch, the foreman on the job, he was an older man, he would just share scripture with us. And I'm like, oh, this is weird. But something, because I was so new, I don't even know if I was saved at that point. I think maybe I was. But it was so new to me. And he was actually, you know, he, he was a businessman when it came to work. Man, you worked hard. But when we had lunch, he would share the word of God. And I thought, oh, he's using his career as a pulpit. And he took those few minutes, downtime, out of time, lunchtime, he would share things with us, and I found it very enlightening. I thought it was very nice that he did that. So he that, that's how he used his vocation to be a preacher of righteousness. So we can seek opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ, and it doesn't take away from being a good worker on the job. Don't ever let preaching cause you not to do a good job or to work, because that's You weren't hired to preach. You were hired to work. But you can be sensitive to opportunities to share Christ. Now, people ask, how did Noah get the animals into the ark? Hmm, that's a good question. The answer is, I believe, concentrate on what God gives you to do, and God will do the rest. That's the answer. Concentrate on what God gives you You to do, Noah, your job, build the ark. I'll take care of the rest. And the Bible tells us the animals came. And they went into the ark, two by two. I believe God rounded up the animals. I mean, they came from all over. And God brought the animals. So, concentrate on what God gives you to do, and God will do the rest. Don't worry about God doing his part. Just focus on doing yours. If if there's something you want done and God says, I want you to pray about it, then pray about it and let God do the rest. And if God tells you to do something, then go do it, but let God do the rest. Okay? So perhaps the life verse of Noah is found in Genesis 6.22. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. I like that. Noah did according to all that God commanded him. And so he did. How good would it be to have that said about us? Thus, put your name there. Joe did. Mary did. Sarah did. Mike did. Dave did, according to all that God had commanded him, or her. And so they did. Phew. That would be the coolest thing. Put that right on the old gravestone. Boom. Right there. Is it true? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I do everything God commands me to do. I don't think so. I fall short. I got to get it together. Time is running out. I got to shape up. Time is running out. What did Jesus say before he left the disciples? Occupy till I come. I'm coming back. Oh, yeah. I'm coming back. Occupy. Stay busy for me. Discover your mission. Commit to it. You'll have all of eternity to play. Commit to your mission right now. Can you do that? These wonderful people in the Word of God, they're incredible people. Yes, they made mistakes. But at the same time, they really did seek to please God the best they could. You know, when we come back next time, we're going to take a look at a young lady. Her name is Sarah. Oh, you might know Sarah. Oh, yeah. What can Sarah teach us? What is the story of her life? And what can she teach us? That's why I love these people. That's why we began with that scripture, Romans 15.4. God gave us all of these examples in the Old Testament so we can learn, so we can grow, so we can reach our port in the storm, so we can become all that God wants us to become. Now Sarah was Abraham's wife, and we're going to find out, ooh, what was going on there? And maybe, ladies, you want to tune in extra special and get your girlfriends to listen. As we talk about Sarah, be a friend and get a friend to listen to New Hope Radio. Because I try to bring these things for even non-Christians, that someone that doesn't even have the Spirit of God yet can at least understand where we're going and say, you know what, I'm, I'm starting to get it. And then when you get the Spirit, oh boy, then it really makes all the difference in the world. So join me next time as the next life lesson from Bible people. We're going to look at Sarah. Have you joined the Hope Club yet? Oh, the devotionals are so good. They really are. You know how I know? Because I listen to them and I like them go to newhopecc.tv click giving then click e-giving choose the radio fund fill out the info cough up three bucks a week And you do that a cup of coffee that'll help keep New Hope Radio on the air and you'll get an email box you'll get an email in your box and Tuesday you'll get a Tuesday challenge I challenge you to live in the subject matter of the week that devotional. Oh, it's a great way to grow. Do that, and I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.